Welcome to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health, the podcast that shows you how to live a longer and healthier life, showcasing doctors, clinicians, and patient stories. The goal of South Coast Health is to help and inspire you to navigate your health journey with knowledge, comfort, and ease. Hello, everyone. I'm Patricia Raskin, host of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. Today's episode is on breast health, screening, and treatments. My guest is Dr. Maureen Chung, a renowned surgical oncologist specializing in diseases of the breast. She is the medical director of the Breast Care Program at South Coast Health. Dr. Chung earned her undergraduate degree with distinction, as well as her medical and master's degree from McGill University, Montreal, Canada. She completed a general residency at McGill University, where she served as administrative chief resident. She earned a doctorate in pathobiology from Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island, and completed a surgical oncology fellowship at Brown Medical School. Dr. Chung is a fellow of the American College of Surgeons and is a member of several societies, including the Society of Surgical Oncology, the American Society of Breast Surgeons, and the American Association for Cancer Research. Board certified in general surgery, Dr. Chung's clinical interests include the impact of screening mammography and contemporary surgical treatment of breast cancer. She believes that patient education, disease prevention, and evidence-based treatments are equally important and that care should be personalized for each patient. Welcome, Dr. Chung. Thank you, Patricia, for having me today. Great. And Susan Nordest, and she is a patient of Dr. Chung, and will share her experience as well. Okay. Dr. Chung, what exactly is breast cancer? So breast cancer is unregulated growth of the cells in the breast. That, by definition, is what a cancer is. So it's just breast tissue, the, the glands that produce milk, The cells that produce milk, they have lost their normal controls and they begin to grow without those normal controls. And when they do that, they become a cancer and some cancers will then spread. Hmm. What are the warning signs or symptoms of breast cancer? So today in North America, usually there are no warning signs because most breast cancers are picked up on a mammogram and we're looking for abnormalities. But there are some clinical findings that we can, as women, notice to prompt a question, like, should we go see our doctor? So what are the things that I tell patients about? I tell them if you see a breast lump, if you have nipple discharge, particularly if the nipple discharge is from one breast, one duct, and is spontaneous, so you see soiling on your bra. If you have skin changes, whether the skin be pulled in, that's called tethering, or if the skin looks different, or there is redness, or if the nipple becomes inverted. So those are some of the things as women, obviously if you feel a lump is in there, but those are the things as women, if we notice, we should bring it to the attention of our doctor. Okay. Um, What if you go for, or you have a mammogram, and there is an abnormality, something doesn't look right on the mammogram, but we're not sure what it is. Correct. So there are, when people come from mammogram, we do what we call two views of the breast and we do what's called a three dimensional mammogram, which we call tomograms or tomo. And the things that we're looking for are masses, abnormal shadows, we call them asymmetry or calcifications. And so if we see any of those changes, 
on a screening mammogram, that's a woman has no symptoms, then we usually bring them back for what's called a diagnostic mammogram so we can look closer at that area by compressing the tissue. And often we'll do an ultrasound on top of that to see is it overlapping breast tissue, is it calcifications that are normal, is there something behind the, the shadow that we saw. So that's part of the workup of a mammogram when you find an abnormality. Right, but when we see all of that, we're still not sure whether or not it's benign or it's cancer, correct? Correct, correct. And so once we do all that, the, the role of the imaging is to then divide those patients into three categories um, or four categories. One is what we call BIRADS2, which means whatever we see is completely benign and nothing needs to be done. That's completely fine. The other category is called BIRADS3, and that means what you have is probably benign, and the chance of being cancer is about 2.5%. For those patients, we will bring them back in six months and follow that area for two years to make sure nothing changes. Then we go into what's called BIRADS4, and that's when we use the word indeterminate. That means we do not know what it means. Is it good or bad? And the chance of cancer can be about 20 to 25%. For those patients, we always recommend an image-guided biopsy. And then the last category is BIRADS5, which means that whatever we've seen is very, very suspicious for cancer. We will do biopsies, but now we're into a greater category of suspicion, 50% or more of being a cancer. And when that happens, then you remove the tissue, correct? We still biopsy first because we need to know what we're dealing with before we go to the operating room because it changes our surgical technique. Mm -hmm. It changes what we do for surgery. It changes how we educate the patient. Mm -hmm. So even though we're very suspicious it is a cancer, we still biopsy it before we go to the operating room because it helps with the education and the treatment recommendations that we make mm -hmm. for the patient. What causes cancer, Dr. Chung? It's not a simple answer. If I had a simple answer, I probably would be sitting on a beach right now. We, we do not know what causes cancer. There's no linear relationship. Like we know that viruses can cause cervical cancer. We don't have that in breast. But we do know that it's a hormonally driven cancer for the most part. And the reason we know that is because it's a cancer we see mostly in women. And so we know the hormones are playing a role. But it's not just a straight relationship between hormones and cancer either, because we know other things like being overweight, cigarette smoking, all play a role. So the most important risk for getting breast cancer is being a woman and then getting older. So age does play a factor. It does play a factor. Okay. Is race a factor in breast cancer? So yes and no. We do know that they are certain populations that have an increased risk of genetic mutation. For example, there is a, a BRCA1 gene mutation seen in people from the Caribbean who have African ancestry. So we know there are mutations in certain um, groups of people. For example, the Ashkenazi Jews have an increased risk of breast cancer. So, so the answer there is yes, but it's not as blanket as saying, African-Americans have more breast cancer than, say, Caucasians. All right. Question for Susan Nordest. Tell us how you came to 
work with Dr. Chung and see her? Well, I'm very faithful about having my annual mammogram done. And as a result, in February of this year, I had a call back from the breast center and they said, I need to come in for further imaging and an ultrasound. And I was, you know, stunned, but I said, okay, I'll do that because I usually do whatever the doctor recommends that I do. Came in and I had that done. And two weeks later, I had a call back from the breast center and they told me that it did look like I would have to have a biopsy done. So I agreed to have that done because if something's in there that I don't want in there, take it out. So we came in and met with Dr. Chung and she was very clear in my options for which way are we gonna go. After having the biopsy done, she suggested, she didn't suggest, she actually gave me my options and she made sure that I was the one who was making the decision on as to which route I wanted to go. She was very clear. She wouldn't even let my husband and daughter pipe in their two cents because they were both there, which in a way was so much more of a stress reliever to have them present because they would always come up with questions when I got home that I never thought to, you know, ask the question. Mm -hmm. So they were there, so they didn't have a chance to blame me if they didn't get the answer they were looking for. So let me just ask Dr. Chung, which of the different types of modalities that you described, three, four, two, which fit in here in terms of Susan? So initially when Susan came in and she had her screening mammogram and she was called back for the additional imaging and then a biopsy was recommended that was a BIRADS 4. We didn't know what it was and she needed to have a biopsy. And so that was a 20% chance or was that greater? That, that's about a 20, 25% chance of being cancer. Okay. All right. So Susan, we'll go back to you. After you spoke with Dr. Chung and you had your family there, what decision did you make? And second question, how difficult was it for you to make the decision? Okay. Well, it wasn't difficult to make the decision because I had an experience with my older sister and she delayed treatment on a cancer that she didn't act on right away and it cost her her life. Hmm. So it was easy for me to decide to have a lumpectomy, especially once Dr. Chung told me that it was stage zero. It sounded very possible that this could you know, be taken care of and I'll see it right to the end and then I'll live afterwards. So that was all positive. Yeah. Yeah. What I want to ask, ask you next, Susan, is your experience when you went through the biopsy and, and the experience that you had in terms of patient care and then afterwards as well. Well, my first um, reaction was to, was shock you know, I was not expecting anything to be positive. I was expecting it to be negative. I'm kind of a glass half full kind of person. And I always want to think of the, the best way possible to look at things. And I just, it was like a 
punch in the gut <laughs> when they said it was breast cancer. But once it was totally explained to me fully, um, I had the understanding that I have a very good chance of survival. And I know not everyone, I have a few friends who have had breast cancer and they were not as lucky as I was. My diagnosis was a, a stage zero and others have had to have mastectomies. And I, I felt very fortunate that I was able to go the route that I was choosing. And I was very grateful that Dr. Chung had given me a clear understanding of the different choices I could make. And it was up to me to decide. Okay. So Dr. Chung, in this case then, did you remove tissue? Yes, I did. So what we did, what people call lumpectomies, is remove a small amount of tissue. That tissue has the pre-invasive cancer cells. And then we want to make sure there are no cancer cells at the edge. So that would be what people call a lumpectomy, although there was no lump here. Okay. Susan, talk about your recovery after the lumpectomy and your care. Okay. Well, it was... I think the only bad thing was I developed a sensitivity to the steri strips that were used to patch up the the incision, and I developed a rash, but that took care of, you know, I had some cream prescribed and took care of it. Then I started the radiation. Is that what you would like to know about? Sure. Uh, What were the steps afterwards? So next you had the radiation. My next step was radiation. I was given a choice of either having an internal form of radiation that are given through tubes that go into the breast and they go inside the breast in a cavity through a catheter. And Dr. Kumar was the doctor who, he's the radiation doctor, but Dr. Chung is the one who inserted the catheter. So I was comfortable with her. We had just had our big adventure on the 25th of April, and this was going into May, and this was the next step. I wanted to do it and get it done with. I chose to do the three-stage doses of the seed, the radiation seeds, as opposed to I don't know how many visits it would have been for an external radiation, but I didn't want to put myself or my husband through that because we had just done that last year for him. It's Dr. Chung, I want to ask you about that. If you can explain that procedure, the internal radiation. So just to, to break it down, radiation, when it's given to the breast, can be given externally or internally. And the external one is when you get the x-rays. The internal one is called brachytherapy, and we can insert a catheter and then use the radioactive seeds that go into the cavity and the radiation is emitted from those seeds. And the formal term of that is called accelerated partial breast irradiation because you can give a higher dose in those seeds because you don't have to worry about the skin because it's actually internal. And what Susan got was what we call the three doses of radiation seeds. They're given 12 hours apart. So you get three treatments over a day and a half. And in a day and a half, you get the equivalent amount of radiation 
as someone who would get it over four weeks externally. Is it safer than the external radiation or just faster? It is faster. It is safer in the sense that the amount of radiation only goes up for about a centimeter. And so the effects on, say, the lung and the heart are not there. Because when you get external radiation, you are giving uh, area and the heart and lungs are right behind the breast. So in that sense, it is safer for the surrounding organs. It has not been around as long as whole breast radiation. So, but it has been around for more than 20 years. So it's not like it's just started last week. Mm -hmm. And it's an option for the carefully selected patient. Okay. Susan, how are you doing now? I'm wonderful. I, I feel like I'm cancer-free, even though I'm taking tamoxifen as a trying to help me deal with not getting cancer back or, you know, that's my understanding of tamoxifen. It's, you know, not to prevent it, but it just, you know, doesn't allow it to come back. That's my understanding. I've been told, I just went to see Dr. Schbarber, who is the oncologist. I saw him on Monday and he gave me a breast exam. He said it was, everything looked fine and there was no discharge, no well, I mean, there's scarring, but there's you know, always scarring, I think, when you have surgery. But I feel really, really good. My mental health, I think I only had one really bad day. And it was during the radiation process when they, they weren't able to do it as scheduled. They had to do it the following day because there was air in the cavity. And that was the only day I ever felt discouraged, which is, I think, amazing because so many people have it so, so much worse. And I feel good. I feel healthy. Everyone is very supportive. I had a wonderful team at, with Dr. Chung and the, the breast clinic, and also with the oncologists and the radiologists. It was, they were wonderful people. And the staff is so smart and they kept me well-informed, you know, and I was like in control, even though I really didn't have any control. <laughs> and my friends and my family were super supportive. And I didn't realize I had as many friends as I do. And that's all <laughs> positive. Everything was positive and, and filled with love. And that's, that's me. <laughs> Great. Dr. Chung, is Susan's case for what Susan had, her diagnosis, do these usually produce the same kind of results that Susan's talking about? Yes. So Susan had what's called a stage zero breast cancer, which is pre-invasive, which means the cancer cells have not learned to spread yet. And that has essentially 100% survival. Right. right. And um, this is what we want. This is what we want. It's usually picked up by mammograms. We call it DCIS, which is ductal carcinoma in situ. And that's something usually picked up on mammograms. Dr. Chung, how do you deal with patients in general? I know everyone's individual, but when you have to share this kind of news, and the reason I'm asking that is I think often the word cancer is just very inflammatory for people and scary. Just the word. So talk about that and how you deal with that with patients. So I think the most important thing for me is to recognize that the word cancer is scary. 
So I usually try to prep patients when they come in before their biopsy about what to expect so that when they get the news, it's not completely out of the blue. I also tell them what I do know and what I do not know. Like when they come in and they're going to biopsy, I do not know the answer. If I knew what you had right now, I wouldn't need the biopsy. And then once we get the report, I just you know walk them through it. I think it's very important today that we educate patients about what they have, that cancer needs different things to, to different people. Like there are different types of cancer, the different prognosis, that we need to educate them because we do know that a lot of people are going home and then they're going to try and Google and find out what's going on. Yes. And if they do not have the correct words to look for, they're going to be caught up with finding things that are a lot worse than they have and be poorly informed and then make the wrong decision. So I, I strongly believe it's about education and just taking the time to go through all the reports with them because today they have access to those reports and they need to understand all the words on those reports. Yeah, that's so important. How likely is a person to get breast cancer if a member of their family had breast cancer? It depends on what age that person got cancer, whether it was young, usually under the age of 45 or older, whether it is bilateral breast cancer, whether it is multiple family members. So it's not a, they're more likely to get breast cancer, but the numbers are not as high as we think. And the reason I bring that up is that everyone likes to use the one in eight. One in eight women will get breast cancer. Yes. And so, and so everyone thinks, oh my gosh, if I have eight people here, one of us is going to get breast cancer. What's important to understand is that that number came up if you were born today, one in eight women would get breast cancer. But if you look at it, if you're between the ages of 40 and 50, it's one out of 69 women will get breast cancer in that age group. That sounds a lot better than one in eight. What about women older than 50, 60 or 70? Okay. So if you're between the ages of 50 and 60, the chance of getting breast cancer is one in 43. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's more likely. And if you're over the age of 70, it's one in 26. Mm -hmm. So that age factor comes in. The older you are, your risk of breast cancer does go up, but it's not one in eight. Why is that, Dr. Chung? Why does it go up as you get older? What happen, What changes happen in the breast? So it's, it's not just what happens in the breast, it's what happens in the entire body. So as you get older, cancers in general increase because cancer is all about regulation. We are constantly making in our body what we call mutations in our DNA. But our body knows how to take care of that. Our body gets rid of those cells that are mutated or altered. And as we get older, our mechanisms that keep that in check are not as good. Our immune system is not as strong. And so it's more likely that one of those mutated cells will escape and then start to grow. So it's something we see in all as you get older. Bruce from Middletown, Rhode Island was no stranger to pain. I kept hurting my back. Then I found out I have degenerative disc disease. From the age of 15 to the age of 35, I had 12 surgeries. I was in agony. And it was a three-year period where I deteriorated to the point that I couldn't stand up 
and I wanted to give up. Then Bruce met with a neurosurgeon at South Coast Health. Very impressed with him, his honesty, and he told me what he was going to do. South Coast Health is nationally recognized for superior outcomes in spine surgery and neurosurgery. To find the right South Coast physician for you, call 844-744-5544 or go to southcoast.org. I can't tell you how much of a difference it's made in my life. Not be in pain is phenomenal. Life is good. <laughs> South Coast Health, more than medicine. Are there preventions for breast cancer at any age? Yes, there are ways to prevent breast cancer. They can be considered drastic in the sense that the, the best way to prevent getting breast cancer is to remove the breast tissue, bilateral prophylactic mastectomy. That's what I say about being drastic. And it's something that we reserve for those who have usually a genetic mutation that predisposes them to get breast cancer. And the chance of preventing breast cancer with that maneuver is about 90 to 95 percent. As you come down further, we can do things that we can put you on medication. So there are medicines that can help prevent breast cancer. The ones we use, it's called uh, tamoxifen or the aromatase inhibitors. And that will decrease the risk of developing breast cancer by about 50 percent. Notice that. So 50 percent chance of not getting breast cancer if you were going to get it, but still not absolute. Mammograms don't prevent breast cancer. This allows us to find it sooner. There are lifestyle things we can do to help decrease our risk. Yeah, that was my question was a lifestyle as well. For people who don't have it, it's not in their family, what can they do? So there are things you can do. And so the things I tell patients all the time is that first of all, we want, need to get exercise. Clear data that exercise will decrease the risk of getting breast cancer. We're looking at 30 minutes a day. We don't need to go to the gym. We don't need to do it all at the same time. Walking counts. Walking up the stairs counts. Those things make a difference. We want to eat a healthy diet. Lots of fruits and vegetables. Things in the more unprocessed form. Processed meats increase the risk of cancer. It's all about moderation. So I tell patients, and I tell them all the time, I love bacon, but I don't have it every day. Mm. You're trying to make a lifestyle change. Mm -hmm. We want you to keep your weight down because fat, when you get older particularly, your fat in women is what makes estrogen. Comes back to what we talked about. Estrogen can increase the risk of getting breast cancer. So we want you to keep your weight down. Give up cigarette smoking, drink less alcohol. And then the last one I tell patients is try to get the stress out of your life. Not as easy as said. Okay. Dr. Chung, on a personal note, what's the most rewarding part of your job? The patients. So I, I definitely enjoy working with patients. The nice part about breast cancer work is that the vast majority of patients do very well. And so unlike other cancers, because I started out with other cancers like colon and pancreatic, unlike other cancers, the outcome for breast cancer patients is very, very good. And so I always tell patients, the reason why you see so many people at those breast walks is because there are so many survivors. And that is what makes it so rewarding. 
Oh, wonderful. Is breast cancer the easiest cancer to cure? I, I get the word isn't cure, but is it the easiest cancer to work with? Other than the skin cancers, the answer is yes. All right. Let's talk about what might be coming down the pike in the future. You know, now there's a radiologist in Hungary that started to use AI, artificial intelligence, to supplement X-ray scanning for breast cancer. And in some cases, artificial intelligence, that technology will flag areas that even X-ray doesn't pick up. What's your feeling about that? And what are other ways that you think artificial intelligence can be used in cancer research? So I think we're all learning together the, the power of artificial intelligence. I will point out, though, we have computers today helping us with mammograms. What a lot of patients do not recognize or do not know is that we have computer programs, so similar to artificial intelligence, that actually helps to target the areas for the radiologist. So even though we have a person reading the images, there's a computer behind the scene helping to point the area that maybe should look here a little bit closer. And so that's called CAD. It's part of that whole computer software artificial intelligence. I think where AI is going to help us, it's going to help us we're humans, so we can remember so much. Whereas with artificial intelligence, there's a whole background of material stored in the computer. And that's going to help us to sort of formulate diagnoses in particularly rare situations. It will help us to, to pinpoint things where there are interactions. It will help us to identify cause and effect a lot sooner. I think it's going to be an adjunct to what we do. Do I think AI is going to replace doctors? I do not think so, but I think it's going to complement what we do. Mm -hmm. Any other recent advances in breast cancer research or anything you see coming beside AI in the future? So what's going to improve is our technology. So we've gone from regular mammograms to digital mammograms to, to two-dimensional mammograms to now three-dimensional mammograms all those tomograms we talked about. So that will continue to get better. What's coming down the pipeline is for high-risk breast cancer patients, we do MRIs to screen the breast because MRIs are more sensitive than mammograms. And what's going to happen, what's starting right now, is we can use CT to help us do that, but with, with contrast. So contrast-enhanced CTs, which probably will replace MRIs in the near future. So that's coming down in terms of the technology. We're also going to get better on the other side, so treatment. We're getting better at identifying which patients should stay on anti-hormones longer than five years. We're beginning to identify new targets for, for certain treatments. So all that's going to come together and allow us to personalize the treatment for the person in front of us rather than having a cookbook about, you have this, is what we do. Mm -hmm. We're going to do very targeted and tailored treatments. Mm -hmm. And your hope for the future, Dr. Chung? The hope for the future is that the idea was that we want to turn breast cancer into, into like a chronic disease, like say hypertension, mm -hmm. right? Most people don't have that fear when you say hypertension, right? right? But we treat it. And so the hope is that I don't think we're going to get rid of breast cancers, but we want to change it from being this, this kick in the gut to thoughts of 
I'm going to need chemotherapy. Changing that into the earlier forms where we do maybe a little surgery, maybe a little radiation, and then we talk about pills to prevent it from coming back. Thank you so much, Dr. Maureen Chung, for being on the program today. And thank you also, Susan Nordest, patient of Dr. Chung. Thank you for having us. All right, everyone, that wraps up this edition of Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. I'm Patricia Raskin. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Healthy Aging with South Coast Health. To subscribe to this podcast, visit www.southcoast.org forward slash healthy dash aging. While you are there, we want to hear from you. Please take the time to complete a quick survey so we can learn more about the topics for upcoming episodes that you are most interested in to live a healthy lifestyle. Thank you to our hosts, Patricia Raskin and South Coast Health. This podcast is brought to you by creative content developer Raskin Resources Productions and produced by Virtually You.